0: one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to track for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way right back there. And an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. She's the throw to the
1: plate. It's in the air. He is The 0-2 pitch. Oh! Look at this. do What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Dobbert. Coming at you with another episode after a disappointing Philly series against the Mets last weekend. They go into New York, and it's a disappointing series. They have them back at home this weekend, and it's the same thing. Four-game series, they go one and three in the series. And kind of eventful. Some relievers hitting the injured list as it goes on phillies just seem to not be able to beat the mets even when they have some of their better pitchers on the mound bailey falter puts together the best start of the series for the phillies picks up their lone win um, in a, a really big start spot start for him we can get into it as always i have my co-host nathan ackerman to join me nathan what do you think of this series
0: yeah, it was pretty ugly. Uh, I'm also kind of mad at them. Uh, a little backstory for the listeners. We were going to record this last night after the game, but they decided to take up five and a half-ish hours of our Sunday, and then by the time it was over, we were no longer able. So it is here at 8.30 on the West Coast, and I'm tired. So thank you, Phillies, for that. But, yeah, other than that, it was pretty pretty awful. I mean there's no really sugarcoating it. Yeah. Uh you know, they were kind of it was kind of at the point where the first two games were really ugly. And then they won that that third game of the double the second game of the um the second of two games on Saturday. And then they were leading on Sunday and it was like if they can escape with a split, especially how it started, it's pretty encouraging. A split against the Mets is never going to be a bad thing even though they have all the pitching advantages but we know how Sunday went and I have a take. Can I can I start this off with a take? Yeah, yeah of course. Yesterday, which was Sunday, August twenty first, twenty twenty two, was a worse loss than the seven to one game. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. It was
1: worse. That and was that was bad. Yes. That was bad.
0: Because Ty, they didn't blow a six run lead yesterday, but they did blow eight runs worth of leads.
1: If that yeah. makes sense, they blew yeah. a four yeah. run
0: lead, a three run lead, and a one run lead. So, from that perspective, it was worse. They blew all of them. I get that it didn't all happen in the ninth, but it is now August. And I agree that every game counts as one of 162, whether it's in May or it's in August. But it was in August. Well, the playoff chase is very tight. They scored, a, they managed to score a run off the best reliever in baseball who's been dominant this year, like just unhittable and they scored a run off of him, which is normally a pretty encouraging thing, but a decision, a pitching um, move by Rob Thompson in the ninth that maybe we can get into if we want to yeah. deemed that irrelevant. And yeah, it was just, there were a lot of, there should have been a lot of positive signs from that game and yeah, they lost it and i think it was worse because of the time of year because of how it happened because of the fact that they could have escaped with a split which would have been encouraging and really good for
1: that team yeah it was worse so i think blowing blowing a big lead like they did in may that's probably more embarrassing yeah but losing a game like they did yesterday i think it's probably a little more like deflating moralizing yeah. yeah because the way like the offense battled back a bunch of times and like the bomb home runs and the Segura pinch hit home run that felt like the Segura, the Segura pinch hit home run. It felt like if they were able to hold on at that point and pull out this sweep, like it, or sorry, this split, not sweep, pull out the split. That would have, it would have felt like a little bit of like a turning point where they can take some momentum against these worst teams show that you can split against the Mets. Like it doesn't have to be like it was last weekend where um they go in losing the series, but that all changed in the ninth inning. Like you said, they throw out David Robertson for the second time in two days. And there wasn't exactly a perfect choice going into that ninth inning. Yeah. But I, we can, we can get into the ninth inning, right now, I guess. So the Phillies, obviously, in a back and forth game, they end up taking the lead in the eighth inning.
0: I believe. Yeah.
1: Segura pinch hit home runs. Gene Segura comes off the bench, and he goes in there, hits a home run. Just continues. He seems to like own the Mets. All right. That's that's been his thing since he joined the Phillies. Another moment for him, and they go in. They put in David Robertson. He had pitched two innings the night before in that Bailey-Falter game where they also didn't have that many relievers available. And they go with Robertson. He gives up the lead. Mets go ahead one on a Marcana home run. And then with two outs, they bring in Tyler Seer for his major league debut. They had Sam Coonrod available. I guess you could also argue maybe Coonrod should have been in there to pitch the ninth. But then Sear gives up another run, and when the Phillies get one back, at that point, doesn't really matter. They they didn't have enough to do it because they couldn't hold the Mets even after giving up the lead. So I guess we can get into multiple things here, these, these decisions in the bullpen, but then also why these have become so difficult. Sir Anthony Dominguez having a triceps issue. He hits the injured list. I don't think there's a timetable on him right now. Then Corey Kniebel, he is out for the season placed on the 60 day injured list. Um, so the bullpen's a little bit thin right now. I think we've talked over the last few weeks to a month about how we feel pretty confident in the Phillies bullpen right now. I don't know if you can feel the same way. So I know, I know that's a lot, but just in general, any thoughts on the way yesterday played out the way that going forward, how are these things going to be able to play out? Because right now they just they don't have the same bullpen that they did a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah. I Okay, let's start with the way yesterday played out because what Rob Thompson said after the game was that basically Robertson called him and he was like I want I want the ball. I want to pitch this game even though he threw 36 pitches on Saturday. A, re- a real Matt Harvey moment for him. Yeah. <laughs> you have to if you're Rob Thompson there I think you have to. It, it. It's look. It's great that the guy wants the ball, and it's great that he was saying, you know, it didn't go well for for me and my first stint with this team. I want to make up for it. Blah blah blah. I want to. I want to actually help this team now. That's all great, and I applaud him for that. If you're Rob Thompson, you also have to just look at the fact that he's gonna. He's like guys are gonna say that. Guys are. They're competitive people. They're gonna say that they want the ball, even though they threw thirty six. Pitches the day before, and you have to say, he what like what are the odds that we put him in and he's as effective as he should be, or he's as effective as he normally is, given the workload and given all that stuff. And then you have to say, like it's it, it's not that I'm worried about his health; it's that I'm worried about the effectiveness. And he just didn't have it. He didn't have, you know, the one hanger that he threw to Mark Cano was it? It, it was like it was a terrible pitch. It was a hanger. It was a horrible spot. It just wasn't good. And he, like he said, that was the only bad pitch he made in the ninth. I don't fully believe that uh, there were some other ones too, but then the other thing Thompson said was we were only going to use Coonrod if it was tied or they were ahead, which, okay. There are, there are several things wrong with that one. Like that's not how health works. Like, like Coonrod uh, had been out for the entire season and his first game was on Friday. He threw, I don't know how many pitches, 27, maybe. And, like, if, if you don't want to use him twice in three games, that's fine, but it's no extra toll on his arm if you use him while they're behind, say after uh, Ken hits the homer and you put him in there. Like, it, he's either ready to pitch or he's not. And whether they're tied or they're ahead or they're down by one, like that doesn't take any extra stress on his arm. So, if he's available to pitch, you pitch him, and if he's not, you don't, and maybe he's shouldn't be up there for the time when he can't pitch but it's like that's like not how things work like he's either healthy or he's not and you put him in that game or you don't and also the other thing wrong with that they were literally winning in the ninth inning they were up one run when the ninth inning started yeah and that's a perfect time to put in Coonrod I was I was like I was looking at the pen I was looking at who had been used the last few days and I was like I said after Sam Coonrod who do they go to because I had no clue Robertson didn't even seem like an option turns yeah. out they didn't even go to Cunrad like yeah. uh, look obviously hindsight's 2020 and all that but it's just mm-hmm. some of the reasoning for that is it didn't make any sense to me and like the logic just just doesn't track and I think that makes it leave an extra sour taste in your mouth
1: yeah, so I guess I guess the counter argument like I don't think if you just go to Sam Cunrad like it's this automatic save no he He's been out for almost the entire season. His first game was on Friday. He threw two solid innings in a blowout. He hasn't thrown a high-stress competitive inning this entire season. And while he's had stretches where he looks like he, like he's really flashed, it's not like he's been a consistent reliever throughout his career to this point. So I guess, I guess also the the other thing about like the leader, the, or having a leader being tied, using him, I guess maybe like their thought process is they're in the next series to start it off. They're still going to be shorthanded. So like they're quicker to punt this game because they're not going to have that many people to throw on Monday. I don't think that's right. Yeah. But I, I get that seems like the way, like, like Girardi used to used to manage for the most part. And I think Thompson, has been a lot better at, like not punting games yeah. in, in general but again that's easier that's easier to do when all your relievers are pitching really well like no matter what guy you're going to for the most part and yeah when a couple of those guys go down it's it's a lot more of a lot more strategy has to go into it than just yeah. like whoever you throw out's going to be good
0: right and i i don't get it but i guess i understand that perspective too i just think like are are you really that worried about a game against the reds that <laughs> like you have to punt this one because you yeah. need your full bullpen or half of it for the reds i mean sure like it, it just doesn't make any sense and I, I i think there also has to be some some aspect of like i'm at the point in the season where I don't think a game against the Mets means anything more than a game against any random team because they're not they're not going to catch the Mets in the end, at least, obviously. So it isn't that it's about, you know, the 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 division race or the standings or anything like that. I just think you have to acknowledge that there's some emotional, I don't know what the word is. There's some emotional incentive to winning that game and doing all you can to push all your chips into that game. Because because yeah, because you would have left. You know, a a a four game set against one of the best teams in baseball, the second best record in the in the whole sport, with a split, which would have been a good thing for this yeah. team and the and, way and that winning, they would have winning won it, winning two in a row too. Yeah, winning winning back to back the way that they would have won it. So it's like you you have to do everything you can to hold on to that game. And I I also get once they were down nine eight, Thompson said something along the lines of. Oh, they were facing one of the best closures in the sport. It's impossible. You know, they ended up scoring a run off of him, but it's really hard to do that. And you can't assume that you're gonna do that. It's like, who cares? Like what I just think it would have sent a, a, a good message, even if they were to go down one, two, three and strike out the side in the bottom of the ninth, like and lose by one. If you send if you put in Coonrod to preserve the one run lead, there's something too oh, our manager is trying to show us that he has faith in our team to score runs off this guy who's really, really good, sure. And even if it didn't work out, like, that's a thing that – it's also a kind of thing that that Rob Thompson does. Like, that doesn't that feel like a Thompson-esque move? It just felt very off-brand. The whole yeah. way he managed that ninth inning felt very off-brand, and I think I like the I'm other Rob you. Thompson better.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, a lot of it does come down to just being – shorthanded in terms of like their yeah. back end talent and also shorthanded because of the doubleheader where and they, this, this series, like they did not get a lot of help from their starting pitching. I think we can, yeah. we can slide into that a little bit. Nola, Nola Wheeler and Gibson, like, just we we're not good enough. No. It's kind of a few starts in, in the last week or two from Wheeler that you wish you got a little bit more Obviously, like in the whole no, for the whole season, Nola and Wheeler like have been really good generally, but they're just like a few, few key spots where it's like, like you said, like winning these kind of games, like you wish you could get more, and that's that's how it was this weekend. After Nola was really good last weekend, it was kind of a, kind of a blow up on on Friday night, to open up the series, and you know people say. Because the Mets just saw Nola, that maybe it makes a little sense that they they got to him this time around after just seeing him last week. And the Phillies also saw Chris Bassett last weekend. They could not do anything against him almost at all. So I guess it was good, good from the offense on Sunday that they finally woke up a little bit after like just these last two series against the Mets, they could not really get much going so so that was good to see that was good to see from them but the starting pitching I don't think it's like a sign of that you have to be worried for the rest of the season or anything about some of these guys but not not what you needed or wanted out of out of Gibson Nola Wheeler in general
0: yeah and with with Nola specifically it's like I'm not worried about him for the rest of the season either but I mean, come on. We were all thinking it when he started to pitch poorly at the end of August, and in a big game, it's like, "Oh, September Nola, is this going to be a thing again?" Yeah. I don't know if it. I don't know if it will be. I don't think it will be. But just the fact that we had to think about it is, you know,
1: discouraging enough. At least in yeah, my yeah, and opinion. it's like it's not like this is. I I know sometimes people on. On Twitter, like fans react when people start to to do this whole thing of like, oh well, here we go again. Where they're yeah. like, Oh, they wanna come to Nola's defense because he has as like I said as a whole been really good this year. But it's not it's it's a little naive to pretend like this hasn't been a thing before. I would yeah. say. Yeah, I agree. But I don't know what it means down the stretch. The last the last two full seasons, um so 2019, 2021, Nola both of – Though September 2019, September 2021, NOLA had an ERA over six in September, both of those years. Yes, but counterpoint, counterpoint, he was worse those
0: seasons as a whole too than he was in 2018, 2022. Although 2020, I I know 2020 was weird in every way, but he was pretty good in 2020 and then that last start against the Rays. And I feel like the couple starts before that, he wasn't great either. But yeah,
1: no, I, yeah. Like they're just going to, They're they're gonna need him to be like he was like in the middle of this season if they're gonna like make sure they don't collapse again like that's a big part of it the a lot of the things a lot of what you think about with this Phillies and this postseason drought over the last maybe like the last half of the postseason drought since about um, closer to 2018 when they when they started to be a little more competitive you think of the September collapses. And I think a lot of, you know, Nola's effectiveness from most of the season up until the end of the season that has a lot to do with it. And I think if he puts, if he can put together a strong September, like that would be, that'd be really big for this team, obviously. And I think big for him, because you know, he's a, he's a, he's a good major league pitcher. I don't think like he wants to be defined by how some of these seasons have ended, but so, yeah, I, I think, all of all three of those guys like need to turn the page pretty quickly. They have some easier series coming up, but yeah, yeah. You want to get into falter a little bit? You want to talk about that falter yeah. spot start where where Thompson beforehand says they need like six or seven out of falter gave them. And six everybody's strong. like, everybody's like, ha
0: ha ha. No, everybody's like, yeah, and and I want to. The- I want after a billion first, dollars.
1: <laughs> and then after the, during the first inning, it felt like there was no shot that he was going to do that. No,
0: he threw 26 pitches and he was laboring to like, it was, it was a struggle and after the, after that,
1: he just, he cruised through six innings, like 80 something pitches probably could have gave them seven. Don't you think? Yeah, he could have. Uh,
0: I, I mean, maybe, I, maybe he don't, I think it was the right agree. decision. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think it was the right decision to pull him. Cause I think, in that spot, they had a pretty a pretty full bullpen, as far as I remember. But and then I think 80, 84 And once they was just... once
1: they got to the seventh, they could operate. But if if he yeah. put together like a four or five inning start, they might not have had enough pitchers. But they had been, yeah. they had they had like three guys they could go to at the end of the game. Once they got through six, they were pretty set as long as they didn't go into extras.
0: Yeah, and then eighty four pitches was the most he's thrown in a major league game in his career. So, um, I, yeah, you know, the, I think it was the right call and you know i don't know if like going into his next start whenever that is i don't know if you're like oh bailey falters on the mound let's go but he hadn't been great before that and it's definitely an encouraging sign i have i have a question uh and this kind of goes this kind of also touches on uh kyle gibson's outing on sunday Mm -hmm. which like okay i get that two of those runs were unearned but they were all earned like not, yeah. not 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 yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. but he gave up eight hits and there were some misplays, sure. But you know there was also yes. that maybe a run shouldn't have scored on the play that Zimmer botched, but a run probably would have scored on the I forget who it was McNeil RBI or no base hit to center where if anybody other than Daniel Vogelback is running from second, he scores yes. there. So I'm I'm yeah. counting it as four in my book. I'm counting it as four earned runs. And it was not a good outing. He was laboring the whole time there. He threw like 105 pitches in four and third, which is not good. He was spotted a 4 0 lead in the first, and it was gone by the end, by the middle yeah. of the fourth. So,
1: yep.
0: not good stuff. And I was kind of wondering, in light of that, and in light of Bailey Falter on Saturday, who starts, let's say, let's say the playoffs start tomorrow and they get through the best of three. Who starts a game four? Is it is it is it Kyle Gibson, Noah Syndergaard, Bailey Falter, or Zach Wheeler
1: on short rest? I don't think it's Wheeler on short rest. I don't. (sighs) Like if the season ended today and they you assume they just played a three game series, if they swept, if they won the first two, like it obviously be Suarez. I guess yeah, yeah. So. At this point, At this point, you're asking who the number four starter is, like on yeah. paper, who's their fourth yeah. best starter. Oh, that's tough. Or is it if the bullpen's healthy? I, I think healthy, it, I am it... gonna surprise myself. If I told myself a week ago what I'm gonna say, like I would have said, like, "What are you talking about?" But I think I think it's Cindergaard. I think so too. I think so too. I think it's Cindergaard. So I think this is just like. How it goes with the inconsistency of how back end starters can be sometimes. I think it's fun how like every week since they made the trade, like these last three to four weeks, it's it's fun to just be like, "Wow, Cindergaard looks so bad; he can't miss a bat." Like Kyle Gibson is clearly better, and then this week it's like, "Oh, Cindergaard so much better than Gibson," and it, yeah. that's just how it how it works with with these guys. They'll put together good starts, and then they'll have starts where they can't miss a single bat, and but right yeah. now I'm leaning center guard and it yeah. maybe they maybe like he's not a traditional starter in the playoffs like they could probably just tell him to let it ride a little bit more get a shorter a shorter start out of him like four innings see if going a little more all out can get his velocity up and he spans slider a lot I think that's like a possibility it's right kind now, of funny you say that.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny you say that about him going shorter and going all out because I had I had a dream last night and okay. I'll I'll credit I'll credit the high hopes pod for this because they were talking about what to do on Sunday as opposed to what they did, which is you know, maybe they could put in they were saying maybe you could put in like one of the starters or somebody who's throwing a bullpen that day and have him go an inning. Just you know, weird ideas yeah. that you can do because Dave, you're in a Dave
1: Martinez in the playoffs look
0: yeah exactly and so so last night i have a dream that they use thor out of the pen for one inning in the playoffs and he's throwing like 98 with nasty movement and the sliders (laughs) 93 and i was thinking i was like hmm is that something and then you just said it on the pod is that something that they could not uh, maybe not you know traditional use him out of the pen for one inning in the seventh or eighth or ninth but is it a sort of three four inning type of thing where you just say empty the tank
1: think think about I guess some of the some of what you can think about I wouldn't quite say I just mentioned Dave Martinez 2019 Nationals I don't think it would quite be like a Corbin thing where he's making starts and then pitching like one to three innings out of the bullpen on his bullpen days in games I think that'd be too much because he just like doesn't seem to be able to have that kind of workload right now. Yeah, but think maybe the year before, and think 2018 Red Sox, maybe Nathan Ivaldi, like something yep. like that. I think that could work for him, possibly. That makes sense to you?
0: Yeah, I. You'd need Falter or Gibson to emerge as more reliable Game Four starter, but or yeah, or be... or,
1: or 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 I don't. If it's not Falter. Maybe Christopher Sanchez like needs to be mm. backed up. Like I think it's he a has weird to be thing. Up. It's a but you've we've been thinking that for two months, right? Yeah, but I don't think it's quite two months. I think it's been like a month. I think. Yeah, but did they just not like him or something? I don't. I don't know. So they did like a little bit before the deadline. They had to start falter a bunch. You remember that? Yeah they didn't have Sanchez as an option because they sent him down to AAA and then he had to be down for 2 weeks before they could bring him back up i think it's 2 weeks they had to, they had to keep him down before they could bring him back up and i think there was like some talks about like oh could they use Sanchez in the spot but then they traded for Syndergaard and then the rotation's been a little more figured out they chose falter for this start. I think because his day aligned with it because they've been using Sanchez in the rotation in triple a, but like weird innings where he's throwing like three or four innings. So Mm. I don't know. I think like, I think he could, he could help them down the stretch and they should send maybe like by the time you're listening to this pod, they did like Tyler Sear has to be sent down. Like they have some shuffling to do in with the pitching staff in general. Like, I, yeah, to have more guys ready, if anything, take some some guys we threw over the weekend and, and send them down. Maybe Nelson can go down. Sear should definitely be down. He's not going to be available on Monday's game. And, yeah, yeah. Mark Appel, yeah, yeah, someone, anyone, Appel, Morales, like anybody. Yeah,
0: yeah, they need to get the
1: bullpen healthy.
0: I think Sir Anthony, what they were saying or what they seemed to indicate was that it was mostly precautionary but yeah with him with him anytime with him anytime injury stuff flares up especially with how how good he's been you're gonna you know
1: you're gonna worry he's thrown he's thrown a lot this season and he's because he's been their best reliever by far i would say and there's no like yeah it's going to be unfortunate for the next 10 or sorry 15 plus days while he's on the list but I don't think there's much hurt in just shutting it down. If it's just, even if it's just like a small thing, shut it down for a little bit and get him right before he injures himself worse. I think this is the smart move to do it. Do you, do you think he'll be back? Yeah, I do. I do. I I'm kind of with you and I think it shouldn't
0: be too long. Yeah. And Uh, whether or not he's back, I mean, even if he were still in there right now, but trading for David Robertson looks really good right now.
1: Yes, that's a big, big help. They I think
0: definitely... we probably, I think we and and people probably underrated. Like, I, I still don't think bullpen or reliever was their top need um, in 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 trade season. But I think we, we've talked about it on this pot. Like, you can never have too many relievers. And you can never exactly. have too many good ones. And I think they weren't... The bullpen was good, but it wasn't at the point where it's like, oh, there's no spot for anybody that – I mean, you know, it cost it Ben Brown.
1: I think that's – Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the thing with Robertson, even though we just talked about him blowing the game on Sunday, in general, like, he's, he isn't just, like, adding another arm. He's, a, this year, like, been one of the better relievers in the league for the most yeah. part. Like, he can – even though it was, like – probably a bad decision or a questionable decision like there's no shame in when you're at his age you just threw 30 something pitches and then you're pitching on a second night like giving up a home run like it's not yeah. it's not the end of the world for him I think he's going to be just fine yeah I agree so talking doing a lot of talk about the pitching staff obviously with Kyle Schwarber not playing the field right now dealing with a calf injury Brandon Marsh has been injured I don't we don't know how long he's going to be out the Phillies their lineup is there's some shuffling going on and I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the lineups they've been putting out and for me I wanted to talk about specifically why they are not putting their best lineup out there they didn't do that this they didn't do that this weekend their best lineup against right handers right now I think like Pretty obviously, is Zimmer, who they picked up off off waivers, Bradley Zimmer, Zimmer in center field. This is against righties. Zimmer in center field, Nick Baton in left field, Segura at second base. Hundred percent. I don't know why they why they haven't done that. Matt Vierling seems like completely overexposed right now against righties. I think he can still handle center field when they're playing lefties. I, I would I would think. But if Schwarber's yeah. not going to play the field right now, like Maton needs more playing time and left. The when Maton has been swinging a good bat, basically the entire time he's been in the majors for them over the past two seasons, he's been swinging a good bat. Dude, and he's good. He is good. I can play. He is good. And like he shouldn't only get playing time when he's taking time away from like Segura or Stott or anything. He should be playing. He's made he, he's probably not a world class left fielder, but he looks competent out there. He's made some nice plays. He had a diving play in his first game out there. Like just throw him out there. Wouldn't it be he cannot be worse in left field than like Castellanos early in the season. No, <laughs> like, no. Like just throw throw him out there. Let Segura get his regular playing time and call it a day. Put your most competitive lineup out there against righties.
0: Yeah, I I agree, and I Nick Nick on this year is like hitting over 350 with above a thousand OPS. I don't know what exactly it is now. I know when he had that hit in the first inning yesterday, it was 375 and 1.194. And it's a small sample size, but also it, he passes the eye test. Like he hits everything hard. He's hitting for power. His his swing looks different. Like he's doing some wider stance and he looks like a lot more. It looks like know, Soto athletic. stance. I always say it looks like Soto stance. <laughs> It does. Everybody's been everybody's been wondering where's the Phillies Juan Soto. Well, it's it's been Nick Maton all along. But imagine, if, yeah. imagine if Juan Soto could play shortstop. <laughs> yeah, Juan Soto with with a premium glove, Nick Maton. <laughs> but yeah, I mean he's he's good and he can hit he can hit righties very well. And I yeah I I don't have anything more to add. Veerling is just the organization has always it seems given Matt Veerling a really long leash and they've always been really high on him. And I don't know if I'm necessarily down on him. I think right now he might just be slumping, Uh, but he's doing this thing. You know how early in his uh, career, it was like he would only hit ground balls. Yeah. It's right now he's getting meat. He's getting meatballs and he's like popping them up foul out of play. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he looks like he's like jumping in the box or something weird. I don't know. It's he doesn't look right, and it doesn't it doesn't pass the stats test, and it doesn't pass the eye test. And Nick Maton passes both of those. Bradley Zimmer, you know, is is what he is. Uh, he can't really hit, but uh, he good, I know he's a good center. He botched the ball but he, yesterday, but but he does play a good center. Yeah, field. he gets good reads, he gets good jumps and things like that. So yeah, the thing, until the with
1: Veerling right now. Thing with Veerling right now, and in general, like. I think Veerling is like a positive player. He can play a lot of places. He can hit lefties. I don't think he's a starting center fielder right now or a starting left fielder. And that's like what they're playing him as. I think a lot of people last year, they talked about for so long, like the Phillies just trotting out Ronald Torres every day. And like, that's what it feels like with Veerling right now. Cause it's like, you know what you're going to get right now? He's not hitting against righties. And yeah. th- that's what it feels like, just this endless cycle, of, like sticking with a guy for for way too long. Like they got to make something up. And I think Veerling could probably benefit from a little bit of time off. It, it worked early in the season when he started off bad and they sent him down for a little bit. And then he was more of a part-time player and he found some success. I think that's what they, what they have to do right now. I think his OPS on the season right now is under 600. It is, yeah. It's just, it's not been good. But yeah. I, I think... Yeah, I think you're. I think you nailed it. Like, they gotta try. They gotta try something else because he's, he's just not getting it done right now.
0: Yeah, and there's not really much time to waste anymore. I mean, it's it's August twenty second. You know, they're
1: in the thick of a playoff chase. And yeah, and may, maybe this all changes like Monday if Schwarber, or Tuesday if Schwarber says he can play the field, yeah. and then and then he can get Hall back in the DH spot a little bit. Um, and then a week later, Harper comes back and changes everything yeah exactly. But for right now, like when you when your players can't play where they want to or you have a bat like Bryce Harper out, like you need to win need to get all the little wins that you can, take all the little advantages that are possible. and they're they don't seem to be doing that, yeah, right now in every spot. Like this is kind of in in general, we're like picking out little things, but they they add up when you're when you're a little bit shorthanded,
0: yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I have another take. I have another take, and this this kind of goes back to, I guess, the weekend as a whole and how one feels after the weekend as a whole. Um, I know there's a lot of talk again about how much do you make of the weekend versus the Mets, and you know, obviously, we know that they can't beat the Mets, but the Mets are obviously a far, far, far superior team. Uh, there's it, okay. There are varying degrees of panic based on the series against the Mets. And I kind of fall on the side of they are obviously way worse than the Mets and they're not on their level. But like, I still think, and this is my take, I still think they can, if they get to October and they win that best of three and they play the Dodgers in the NLDS, like, I still think they can win that series. And I think they can beat pretty much any team. In the National League, except for the Mets. And honestly, it probably won't matter. But in the American League, except for probably the Astros. But like any other team, I see, I like, I, I, think the Phillies are a good enough team to win any other series. And like, I think they're good enough to compete with those teams, too. It's just the Mets are in their head for some reason. And maybe, yeah. they, you know, the Mets are just better. But like, I leave that that weekend and I'm like, yeah, it was terrible. But I'm almost like I, I just disregard Mets games at this point.
1: Does that make sense? Like they just a little they, bit. They... I think you wish like they didn't lose some of these games in the fashion yeah, obviously. That they did. Like yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it's the end of the world because, like you said earlier, they're not going to win the division. But also, yeah, I think that I think that the Mets just kind of own them. Other yeah. like think back to 10 12 years ago when the phillies were really good felt like they were in the mets heads at all times like mm-hmm. the rollins stuff and it's almost like the complete opposite right now like they don't seem to be able to beat the mets they didn't win a series against the mets this year they were i believe i saw the stat floating around they were oh and nine against the mets in games started by nola and wheeler <laughs> that's crazy like what's going on what is, what is going on yeah. that's that's like yeah that that is that is free real estate for the new york mets i would say but it probably like maybe doesn't matter they're not going to see him for the rest of this regular season they won't see him in the first round of the playoffs unless the mets put together some all-time collapse so maybe it doesn't matter like even if they win the first even if they go on to win the wild card series like it might not matter who knows
0: yeah and I, I don't know if it's too early to be doing this math. And I don't know if they're firmly enough in the playoffs to be doing all this math. But I was thinking a week or two ago, like you'd almost rather them get the sixth seed, because if they're the sixth, then they play the the probably the Cardinals in the first round as opposed to the Braves. But that would mean if they win that, because they don't reseed like they do in the NFL, if they win that, they would go on to play the Mets as the two seed. Whereas if they were the five, you got a harder first round matchup against the Braves but you go on to play the Dodgers and the Dodgers are maybe an overall better team than the Mets. They're like eight games ahead of them in the standings, but I would, I trust the Phillies way more in a series against the Dodgers than in
1: the series against the Mets. So I guess it's definitely too early to do this math, by the way. No, uh, okay, yeah,
0: I know. But if we're, Hey, it's been, it's been 11 years. Why not start? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're right. If, if your goal is to like get there, which is honestly maybe the the primary objective at this point. It's just, you know, you win as many games as possible and you get as high of a seed as you can. But if your goal is what's the best configuration for a deep playoff run, maybe you take your chances against the Braves and then take on the Dodgers. I don't know, whatever. You're right, it's too yeah. early.
1: So you mentioned before, like maybe they get Harper back soon. Looks like he's going to start a minor league rehab this week in Lehigh Valley, maybe Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. So I plan on being there for his first game as long as they announce it ahead of time. So I was just wondering what... It's almost felt over the last few weeks, like, have you almost... You're seeing him in the dugout, and, like, one day they had him announcing in the booth for one of the games, like... But in general, it's almost like I forgot he was out, I guess, because it's like they've been playing well in general. Like, you just haven't, like, felt it that, that much, I think. Uh, is that is that only me? Uh, not that like not that they haven't felt it, and like they like maybe could have been way better without him. But it's like to yeah. me, it's almost like oh yeah, like they're also gonna get last year's MVP back. That's yeah. Wild.
0: I think I think it was true until they got shut out four of seven games, and then it was like yeah, hmm, that guy might that guy might enough. help. But no, I I mean I see what you're saying. They were. Like I I don't know what it is now, but at one point they were, if I think twenty five and thirteen without him, which was just as good as they were doing with him. It you know since since the beginning of June June was it when they started? Yeah, June. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah I definitely see see what you're saying. I think they're gonna be way better off when they have him back. Obviously,
1: not to ask the like most obvious question of all time, not to say how much is Bryce Harper like gonna help them, but like but what do you think is going to happen when, when he's back? Like what kind of boost can that give them? Do you think how, how much is it going to help?
0: Yeah. I'm kind of wondering how long it'll take him to like regain his, you know, Bryce Harperness. ness like, is, is he going to come back and struggle for a week, which normally would be fine. But if he's coming back September 1st, that's a week. Then they only have three weeks left. I think he'll be good. I think he'll, he's going to help them a lot. And I think it's just often it's just his, his presence in the lineup. Like, when he when he went down, they had played nine games with without him, and they had scored nineteen runs total. Uh, and it's just it's I, like Bryce Harper himself isn't worth that drop off, although he's probably worth close to it because he's really good. But I think I, th- I think his having him in the two or three hole wherever he is, and just having him in the lineup takes a bunch of pressure off of everybody else. Yeah, and it just else.
1: makes makes the whole lineup way deeper. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think it just. It makes for more immaculate vibes, as they say. So, I think it'll it'll help a lot. I think you know the offense is. I think the offense is fine. Like even when they got like, four of seven games, they didn't score a single run. Like, I don't know. I I wasn't super concerned long term for the offense. Like some of those games happen against Scherzer, like Degrom. Yeah, and then yeah. there's an like one inning of Edwin uh, Diaz too. So, yeah, it's it's not good. But I I kind of saw that as more of a little slump then oh they're they're collapsing and have then they you, scored 9 runs yesterday so
1: have you given up on nick cassiano's turning the season around
0: <laughs> dude i've been waiting like for him to cross 700 in the ops category and there's been like three times where he's at 697 698 699 and if he just reaches base somehow he would he would get there but in those spots it feels like he's over 20 so <laughs> I I think it'll – I don't know if it'll happen at some point, but, hey, it was 2 for 5 yesterday.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: That's 400.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I kind of a, given it I up. I have I've, a – I think I have a prediction. I don't think he's going to turn it around like this regular season. And maybe they only – if they make the playoffs, maybe it's only like one short series. But I have a, I have a prediction. Like maybe it's going to be like – remember how bad Cody Bellinger was last year yeah. I and mean, he was like the Dodgers best hitter in the playoffs. Maybe. Yeah. I have a yeah. feeling that like, even if they play two, three games, like, I don't know, he'll come up big in the playoffs because that's yeah. just like how it seems to work. Sometimes it's funny. Yeah. Like that. I can see that. I can see that. All right. Any other thoughts moving forward? The Phillies kind of have some easier games coming up. Anything, any thoughts on how they move on from this Mets disaster class?
0: Yeah, I kind of – I was talking about this with one of my friends. I'm kind of of the opinion that, like, that series against the Mets didn't – like, it. It I'm not in panic mode as far as, like, collapse goes. Uh, like, I don't think that that's going to start some massive, you know, classic September collapse for the Phillies. But I do think it's possible, like, if they start to struggle down the stretch, we're going to look back on that, specifically the game on Sunday and be like, this is where things started to take a turn for the worse, which is kind of why – before the series happened i was like okay if they split or even if they just take one of 3 from the mets it's the mets and i'm not going to get too worked up about it but the way that they lost on sunday was just really really bad and yeah. that's not a good thing going into the the next seven series they play are against teams that are below 500 uh the giants might be over 500 by the time they get there but they're under 500 right now and that's you know the next seven series which is 25ish games. So they should be able that? to turn it around. A win What's for
1: that? you. A win for you with the Giants under 500. Yeah. You told yes.
0: me, thank you. Thank you. And you said, yeah, they might be worse, but 28 games worse, 25 games worse, the answer is yes. And I said that at the beginning of the season and vindicated. Anyway, yeah, they should be fine uh but if they're not I think it's perfectly reasonable to look at that Mets game and be like, "Hmm, this is where things kind of started to take a turn." I, I have to say, I'm not really concerned about the playoffs thing yet. Like, I don't think the Brewers are
1: good. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, you know, these blow- how are you blowing games against the Cubs? I know the Dude. Phillies got swept Dude, by the Cubs yeah. like not that long ago, but yeah,
0: and they like lost two or three to the Nationals or something like that. Yeah, or maybe it was two or four
1: but it's you shouldn't lose a game of the nationals ever so. yeah so phillies have reds pirates diamondbacks coming up their next three series and then you said they have the giants after that who may be around 500 but definitely some winnable series they need to take care of care of business coming up so any any thoughts like things any predictions for these upcoming series anything before we wrap this up
0: I don't know. They should win seven of those, the next 10 games, Reds, Pirates, Diamondbacks, they should win six or seven of those. And I think they'll be fine, but yep. yeah, just it's, it's kind of the same tread water until Harper gets back, but really they shouldn't be treading water because they shouldn't be going 500 against those teams.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think they will take care of business here, but yeah, if that's, that's it, I think we should wrap this up. Phillies got to move on, got to move on from the Mets. Um, It's all over with, so we'll see how it goes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next time.